0: One second. Okay, uh, good evening everybody. Um, welcome to our very first I am um, it on. I gotta do it right. I'll mute everybody in one second, don't worry about it. Um, welcome to our very first sha- Thursday Hagdel Draw shop And, um, I just wanted to mention before we begin, um, I'm just going to check if they're on, hang on one second. Um, if the Bechafers are on, I would like to give them a mazel tov on Dina's engagement. Dina got engaged. So everybody can wish them a mazel tov, and then we can begin. Okay, It's better. Hang on one second. <clears throat> okay, so um, we're all aware of um, how exactly the, the Siddharim are uh, formulated. How the Haggadah is formulated as a we are maschal begnus, we begin talking about the negative. And we conclude with the positive. That's how uh, Chazal uh, designed our Seder. Now, how exactly we define the negative and the positive? There is a machlokus about it. Do we start talking about, from the very beginning, the origins of Avramavinu? Avinu? That's one version of the negative that we talk about, um, going all the way through Yetzias Mitzrayim. Or is it that the beginning of our our Gnus, the talking about the negative, is Avadim HaYinu, is the fact that we were slaves to power Mitzrayim. But certainly a very strong focus of what we're doing at the Seder is we are focusing on the Shibud, we're focusing on um, the tremendous oppression that took place at the hands of the Mitzrim. and we move through all the way to the Geula, and we bring ourselves Chayvodem lirusis Atmo hu yatomi mitzrayim a person has to see himself as though they themselves he himself she him she herself left mitzrayim and we bring ourselves through the depths of despair the 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 we we feel the desperation of the sheba the desperation of what it was to be a slave in mitzrayim all the way through the gaula all the way through the hallel the the song of thanks to HaKadosh Baruch baruchu for having taken us out of Mitzrayim, for having redeemed us. And because we are experiencing the extremes, all the way back from the Shibut, all the way through the Geulah, we have various elements of the Seder that represent cheirus that represent the freedom that we have, which is the reclining that we do, which is the, the wine that we drink, all of that representing how we were freed, and those are things that are have to do with, with cherus, with freedom. And of course we have the bitterness of avdus, we have the bitterness of the slavery, we have the mara, we have the the, the bitter herbs that we have. Because, we say in the Haggadah, one of the things that we're mochayiv to, to say, one of the things that we are required to say is that we eat the mara because the Egyptians embittered our lives, and therefore we have to have um, this, th- these, these bitter herbs. We have to eat whatever it is that one eats in order to feel that merirus, in order to feel that bitterness that was experienced in Mitzrayim. Now, the Mishnu Berura in Simitaf Ein Zion brings down a fascinating minhug, And it's a minhug that I don't really know um, anybody that does this. But um, it is something that he says, and he quotes the Shulah, he says, Because of the Shulah says, mi b'nei aliyah, I see from those, I've seen those who are B'nai Aliyah, those who are rising up in, in their avodas Hashem, shayu menashkin hamatzos that they would kiss the Matzah and the Marah. And he also describes how, like on other Yom Tovim, they would kiss those mitzvahs also. And he says, All of it is because of the love that we have for the mitzvahs. So, on the surface, really, the, the shlach doesn't seem that puzzling. He's telling us that there was a minute to kiss the matzah, kiss the morah, and kiss the dalad minim, because things that, that with which we do a mitzvah are things that are beloved to us, and therefore there's an Indian of kissing them. But, when you think about it, you have like this sense of, okay, you want me to kiss the matzah? Kiss the matzah. Kiss a cup of wine? Kiss a cup of wine. You know, whatever you want. I'll kiss my Dalad medium, kiss my Sukkah, I'll kiss it all. But the Murr the Murrah is like, it's, come on, it's the, the Those bitter herbs are the things that we're supposed to hate. Those bitter herbs are the things that represent the avtas that we're so glad to not be a part of, that we do not have that anymore. So, what does it mean that it's something that we do, that, we, that, 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 that we're kissing the Mara? It's It just seems, you know, it's, it's not like a kasha, I mean, it's not something that we necessarily do anyway, although now it seems like maybe it's something that I would try to pick up and adapt into my Seder, that in, in order to show our love for the mitzvah. But it just seems to be kind of counterintuitive as far as what our relationship with Mara would be. But I'll tell you the truth is that that's not the only part um, of, of our relationship with Morah, of how we're supposed to, how we're meant to relate to Morah that seems to be a little weird, that seems to be a little out of place. The Gemara in Psachim, Andav Kuv Ches, tells us about the mitzvah of Haseba, tells us about the mitzvah of leaning. And it says the following, it says, Matza haseba, that when one eats matzah, they have to lean to the left, they have to make sure to lean. And maror ain't Sar haseba. And Marar does not require haseba. For maror, we don't lean. Now, why not? So Rashi tells us what would almost seem to be obvious. So he says, um, matzah Why does matzah require haseba? Because leaning is the act of free people. Because we eat matzah as a remembrance of our redemption. Mara ain't Mara does not require leaning because she Avdus, because it's a remembrance of the Avdus. That's what Rashi says, it's a shailtis as well, that we do not lean when it comes to eating the Mara because it's something that represents the Avdus. So it's incongruous to for us to be leaning during the mitzvah that is representing, that is, that, that's showing our avdus. In fact, the Leket Yosher, who is a Rishan, who is a Talmud of, a student of the Truma Hadashin, says that what follows is that it should be usur, it should be forbidden to lean while eating the mara. Just like we have a halacha, that when it comes to matzah one must lean, and if one does not lean they have to eat the matzah again leaning. So too when one eats marah when one, has, uh, when one has the Mara, if you lean, you're not Yotzeh, because you are, you're not playing it correctly. Matza is the thing of cheres. Matza is the thing of freedom, and therefore it requires a leaning. And mara, the thing of Avdus, is something that the leaning would contradict it, would counteract your having eaten the Mara, and therefore you would not be Yotze. It, would be, it should be usser to lean. However, okay, the Beis Yosef says something a little different. Beis Yosef, interestingly, um, talks about this in a couple of locations. It talks about it, first of all, when it comes to just the general halacha of, of eating mara. So the Beis Yosef quickly says, mara ain't sarah ha does not require Hasseba. And he quotes Rashi as saying that, like, because it's something that reminds us of avdus. And then he says, venerally, and it appears to me that if one would want to eat it if one would want to eat it while leaning that it would be allowed that it would be something that would be okay okay, so it's funny that like it's okay to lean during the when, when, when eating matzah again, when eating marah, I'm sorry the, again, the Beis Yosef says and this is when he's talking about korech when it comes to korech, where we combine the matzah and the marah so there's a big question in the Rishonim as to whether it is appropriate to be leaning or not. Do we look at the matzah side of things in which there's a requirement to lean? Or do we look at the marah side of things in which there's no requirement to lean? The way the Beis Yosef speaks it out is he says, Even though marah ain't sarah haseba, Imratala emratzala achlo ain't If you want to eat it with haseba, in ain't Go ahead. Whatever you want, it's, it's okay. Where is he coming from? Like, why is he why is he taking this this this, uh, this, uh, this this relaxed approach to whether or not one is supposed to be leaning when eating more? So, um, he comes from the Rambam. The Rambam talks about require the requirement of hesed. He talks about the requirement of leaning, and the Rambam says that emasite say but when is leaning necessary? V'shas achilas arbakosos it's when a person eats matzah and drinks the four cups of wine. V'sharach ilaso v'shtiyaso, so the Rambam continues. All the rest of his eating and drinking, imhasev if he leans, Shubach. good for him. That's like a it's, it's a, it's a, it's a praiseworthy thing to do. But the Rambam doesn't say a word about Mara. It certainly doesn't say that it's a mitzvah to lean by Mara. That is clearly not saying. He says that by other eating and drinking, it's a positive thing, it's a good thing to lean. So, Mara is kind of left out of the mix over here. And it leaves us wondering, so, so then what is the halacha of Mara? What would the Rambam hold about that? So, the Mug Avraham says that, listen, Mara is something where the Gemara already said that you're not supposed to lean, or it doesn't require leaning. So, he says that if one would lean, Yatzah, they would be yotze, and the way the Machtesh Shekel understands the the Avram is that he's saying that there's no requirement to, to, to lean, and um, one should in fact not really lean. But if you lean, it's not like you're not gonna. It's not like you're gonna lose the mitzvah. The mitzvah will be accomplished even if a person leans. The Mishnah Brewer, the way he says it. Um, he says, If a person wants to eat matzah, leaning, Rishai, he's allowed. So, we have, on the one hand, the Leket Yosha that says that you're not allowed to lean. He says, this is something that's all about the avdus, it's all about the slavery. Leaning, totally inappropriate, doesn't fit over here. Then we have the Magen Avram who says, that listen, really you shouldn't lean. You shouldn't be done. If you lean, you're yotze anyway. And then we have the Bru that says, if you want to, you can do it. There's no, you know, you could, you could go however you want. Others, the Divrayatzev and other Achronim say that if you really think about what the Rambam says, the Rambam says the following. He says that um, when do you need to lean? At the time when you eat your matzah and you drink your dalat kosos. Vishar achilaso v'shtiyaso, the rest of his eating and his drinking, im harizem if one leans, that's a praiseworthy thing to do. They say that the Rambam is not excluding Mar. The Rambam is not only talking about Shulchan Aruch, or when a person is, is, is eating the meal. He's talking about all other points of time in which one eats, it's a praiseworthy thing to lean, even when you're eating the Mar. That there, the Rambam holds. Say these achronim, that it is a meshubach. it is a praiseworthy thing for someone to be eating marer and leaning at the same time. Now, that, frankly, is something that's pretty mind blowing. Right? Haseba. Haseba is the thing, is the activity, is the action that we do to show that we are b'nechorin, to show that we're free. Marer. Marer is the food that we eat to show that we had a bitter time, that things were horrible for us, that, that we had this tremendous avdus. The idea of eating maror, there's a necessity to have a bitter taste. I'll tell you, a shayla that came up this year, a serious shayla, I was on two phone calls, one with one with Rabbi First, and one with Rev Willig, and both of them with with different rabbonim. And both of them had the same question come up, that there are people who, because of um, coronavirus, um, you know, lucky for them, the, the only um, uh, or one of the few uh, th- uh, things that they have as a result of it is that they can't taste anything. So if you can't taste, can you make the bracha of al-achilas because the halacha is that you're not allowed to swallow more. You can't just like you know pop it and, and just swallow it straight. You have to you have to have a taste of the maror, so you have to have a taste of the bitterness in your mouth. So if a person is in a state in which they don't have the ability to taste, do they or do they not make the brach of aleihus mar? Right. The halacha is that they both do make the brach of aleihus mar, but clearly the halacha is that one is supposed to taste the bitterness. So what does it mean when we would be leaning that they would be inappropriate and, and a, a, a wonderful, a praiseworthy thing to do, to be leaning at the same time that one is eating the bitterness, that one is tasting the bitterness of the Mara? It just seems so ridiculously incongruous. What, what, like, what would that mean? Why would it be that way? What, 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 what's, what's the point? What would be the point of, of that activity? It's it's just it d- doesn't seem to fit. I want to ask another question. Um, th- something that I'm I'm relatively at this point um, it's almost like a joke, but but it is a, 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 what, like a little side obsession of mine is the idea that we have the Russia at our seder. Is the idea that the Russia is invited to the seder? We welcome him him in our seder. Um, it is one of the One of the fascinating players of the seder that we have a Russia, who is who's he's not like a potential Russia, he's he's a Russia. He qualifies. It's not it's not easy to be a Russia in Judaism, but here's a person who's a Russia who's at our seder table, and we welcome him, and there's there's a lot that we learn about the fact that he's at the seder. He's part of who we are as a people, um, and we've spoken about many 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 times, and. What we're looking to do with this Russia is to make him speechless. I mean, I saw a beautiful idea, something that you could put since we're not going to be together on Shabbos Hagadol. Here's a little Shabbos Hagadol idea. Um, the the idea that we say Ashinov, that where we always, you know, the, the the general translation is like knock out his teeth or blunt his teeth, whatever blunting someone's teeth means, right? But you have to knock out the person's teeth or some implication like that. So. Uh, I, you know, when I was a kid, the way it was said was that like, you got to tell him off, you got to tell him that he stinks and this and that and the other thing. Okay, so, you know, th- that's, that's clearly, I think, not, not the, the, the pshat. Um, I saw a beautiful proof that the word hake has nothing to do with that. In the tour, when he's talking about what exactly happened on Shabbos HaGadol, why it's a special time, so he says that the Jewish people went, this is in Simon Toph you can look it up, and he says that he went that the Jewish people went, and they 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 took the the sheep, uh, in 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 front of the Mitzrim, and they brought them to their houses, and they said the Mitzrim said to them, what are you doing with the sheep, which was their God, right? And they said we're going to shacht them, and v'ha'yu shinehem kehos, and their shinehem were kehos, and their teeth were, whatever this word kehos means, blunted whatever, but basically what it means is they were speechless. They had nothing to say. They were just like, right? That, that, that If if you couldn't see me, then that, that won't help. But um, they they were they were just like you know stunned into into speechlessness. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to make the Russia speechless. We're trying to say that listen, you've got problems um, with 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 Yiddishkeit, obviously. You have problems with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a Russia and you wouldn't qualify as a Russia. And we're trying to make him speechless and feel like he belongs back with us. We also have young children. Young children who we're trying to initiate into, in, into Klal Yisrael. We're trying to inculcate with them with a sense of Avas Hashem and belonging. So here's what we do. We go and we start talking about all of the shibud, all of the avoda. We talk about the Gnus, we talk about the horrible things. We talk about the fact that there was Gerus, that we were strangers in a strange land, that there was Avdus, that we were slaves, that we were not in charge of our own selves, that there was Enod, that there were all kinds of afflictions. We talk about the avodas Perach, we talk about the hard work. We talk about children being killed. We talk about children being killed as they were born. We talk about boys being thrown into rivers. We talk about children being used as bricks. We talk about paro going and slaughtering children and bathing in their blood. We talk about 210 years of hell on earth for the Jewish people. So hang on a second. So yeah, we get to the end and then there's a happy ending and everybody walks out of Mitzrayim. But you know something? Not everybody walks out of Mitzrayim. There are generations of people who did not walk out of Mitzrayim. There are people, Jewish people, who were born into slavery and died in slavery. So, if we're trying to create a sense of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and how much He loves us and how HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so kind to us, if we're trying to create a, a feeling that, you know, Mr. Russia, like, don't, don't, don't be so upset. Don't be so angry. Don't be so against Hashem. He's so kind. He's so wonderful. He's so full of chesed. I mean, if we talk about how bad things were, I mean, isn't the question going to be like, but he did that, or, where was God during those 210 years? Won't the Russia just bitterly laugh and say, like? what are you talking about like there was a nice little payoff at the end but come on like what is this and not only that but you know and 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 we are not supposed to duck the shibud we don't we don't like it's no holds barred in talking about it now a few days ago we talked about how when you're dealing with little kids right we are not interested in having them go to sleep at one o'clock in the morning and then be up again at 3 o'clock in the morning with tremendous nightmares of all of the gory details that we, that, that we put into their minds. One has to be sensitive to the way you know children process things. But we have the morrow. We, ha- we talk about the bitterness. We have mei malach. We have salt water that represents the tears. We have lechemoni. We have b- bread of affliction. These are things that we have. We are... It's real. We talk about the avodos parach. We talk. We're supposed to talk about all of this Gnus, all of this negativity. We 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 also say v'hisha volanu. We say that this is what stood for us and for our fathers and for us. bovad It's not just the mitzrim that did this to us. Guess what, everybody? Yeah. Behold, over there, It's every generation. We get this again and again and again, like. Woo! Uh, Who like would somebody want to join something like that? It's not you know it's not exactly the greatest recruitment. uh, You know what? Like what are we doing here? Um, We have the Russia. If we're talking amongst ourselves, so okay, so we can have all of our different answers to you know why bad things happen. But this is something that's supposed to be uplifting. It's supposed to be drawing people in, and we have to wonder. While, yes, we need to talk about the bad in order to get to the good, in order to appreciate how good the good is. But at the same time, when we talk about the bad, when we have all of that negativity, so to say, all those negative experiences that that we're experienced, how are we supposed to explain them? How are we supposed to feel about them? How do we expect our children and our Rasha'im, and our She'ini Yode'a Lishols, and our people who don't know how to ask and don't know really much, or the Tom or the simple one, right? most of the children are not the Chacham. How are we supposed to give this over in a way that it's processed as, the, as not a being, that, you know what, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Chas V'Shalom, was really nasty for a long time, and then he finally felt bad for them and said, like, okay, torture is over. What's what's the message? How are we supposed to capture this? We clearly are not supposed to just leave it hanging because if we left it hanging, the Russia wouldn't be speechless, he'd be laughing at us. It's time for Marcus Baruch Hu has gotten taken power all the way to the end, right? We're we're with we're at, we're at the last the, the very last act of the play. And it's time for Marcus Bohoros. And Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Listen, you know, it's it, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna kill all of the firstborns, and um and after that, you are you're, you're gonna be out of there. But he says, Listen, I just need one favor. can you just please speak to the people for a second? The Yishalu the Me Usa that can you have them like go and like ask their neighbors, ask their Mitzri masters and mistresses for their things, for their silver and for their gold. And, 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 and the, the favor of the Jewish people was was in, in the eyes of Mitzrayim, so therefore this is going to go okay, so to say. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is like stops everything and says, like Moshe, do me a favor. Please, get the Jewish people to get their stuff. Why? Like, what's the please? What's that about? So Rashi says, A'na elo lashon la, na. I'm sorry, is a lashon, it means, this is a request, this is a please, can you do me a favor? Beva kasha memcha, his hero malkach, please, warn them, ask them to do this, shlo yomar osu tzadik Avraham, so that that tzadik Avraham won't say, va'avadum ve'inu osam ki'ein bohem, that the promise that Hashem made, that he was going to make the Jewish people slaves and that he was going to afflict them was something that Hashem came through on his word but, but the end of Hashem's promise at the Brisbane Habasarim where he said that afterwards they're going to walk out with tremendous possessions Loki and Bahem, to make they're going to say listen you got the Avdas lots of that Enoi, terrible affliction but where's the achrei kenyets of gadol? Where's the rechosh? Where's the where's the booty? Where's the where where's the plunder? So therefore, can you do me a favor? Can you ask the Jewish people to go and get the plunder from from you know from the Mitzram? So the what is Hakadosh Baruch Hu saying over here? He's saying to Moshe, I need you to do this because Avram Avinu is going to have a problem with me. That's the problem. Hashem said the following thing is going to happen. They're going to leave Mitzrayim with ruchush Gadol, with great possession. And then, if he doesn't do it, then, I mean, I hate to say it, but then Chaz Hashem looks like he, he didn't tell the truth or he didn't come through in his word. So HaKadosh has to make this happen because ha- Hashem is MS and ms has to happen. Why is it because oh, Avram Avinu, it's gonna drive me crazy. Like, come on. Like, please, could you just have him get the stuff? That's the reason. What's going on over here? What is it? It's Rashi's quoting a Gemara. What are we, what's, what's a Gemara talking about? W- why would that have to be the reason that Hakadosh Baruch Hu was going to fulfill His word? That's you don't need a reason for that. That Avram Avinu is going to go and drive him crazy. And furthermore, you know, there was another time, further on down the line, when the Jews got tons of stuff. After the Krias after Kriyas there's the Bizas Hayam. There's after Kriyas Yamsuf and all the mitzvim were swamped and destroyed and were wiped out. All of the riches come and wash up on the shore, and the Jewish people have the tremendous bizas Hayam. Chazal tell us that the stuff that they got, the booty that they got, the plunder that they got after Kriyas Yamsuf, after the mitzvah were destroyed in, in the Yamsuv, was much more than what they pulled out of Mitzrayim in the first place. So as far as the payoff is concerned, they get, they're going to get the payoff anyway. So, why is this necessary, first of all, to have this ask over here? They're going to get stuff anyway. Number two is, and if it is necessary, it's necessary because it's necessary. That's necessary because there's something specific about what he told Avram Avinu as opposed to the fact that they have to be Yotzeb or Rechosh that they have to go out with, with, with you know, so, uh, this, this tremendous amount of Rechosh. And you know, there's another little funny question that I heard this year that, that like, actually resonated with me. It's like a funny thing when you use the term rechosh gadol, tremendous right, gadol is big, right? Big rechosh. Like, you know, big plunder. Right? So Rashi in Parsha Lecha, at the brisbein avasarim when Hashem tells Avram Avinu about all this stuff that's going to happen, Rashi says, berchosh gadol means bemaman gadol. Big money now if you're familiar with like las vegas you know what big money means big money right big money that's not a term like you say like a lot of money big money that's that that that's it that's a that's an american slang type of term where does that fit with with why is rashi using it like what like what's going on over here so we need to really understand the Brisbane Habasarim. The Brisbane Habasarim was a covenant that was made between Avram Avinu and Hashem, in which Hashem told Avram Avinu, and we read this at the Seder, that listen, Yaddo Ateida, you should surely know, Kiger that your people are going to be gerim they're going to be strangers, they're going to be Avadim, they're going to be slaves, they're going to have Enoi, they're going to have oppression. And then, I'm going to be nochi, I'm going to judge the people who are who have them as captives, and Yetzel Ruchosh Gadol, and then they're going to go out with this tremendous possessions, with, with, with lots of, lots of, lots uh, of, lots of stuff. A bris is a bilateral pact. A bris is a treaty, it's a covenant between two parties, right? So when there's a bris, it means that I'm doing something and you're doing something back. What about this is a bris? What about this is a covenant? What about this is a two-sided deal? Hashem's telling Avram, listen, this is what's going to happen. They're going to go. They're going to be slaves. They're going to things are going to be really bad, and then things are going to be okay again, right? And they're going to end up in Eretz Yisrael. Wonderful. W- well, like, what are like, what's Avram Avinu's job? Like, what's our side of this bris of this covenant? A bris is like a two-sided thing. When there's a bris Mila, so we have to do something, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu does something, so to say, in, in response to that. It's a it's a two-way deal. Obviously, with us and Hakadosh Baruch Hu, you know, we're we're what we're doing is just kind of like a whatever, a, a, you know, a joke uh, of some sort, or it's a, you know, it's it's that's not anything Hashem needs, but it means that there's participation on both sides. Where's the two sides over here in the bris bain habasarim? In 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 our world. So we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mishalim Tov Tachas Tov. We know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu um, rewards good deeds. People do good things. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives them a reward. We also know that there's a concept of Lefum Tzara Agra. That there are times <clears throat> when a person is trying to do something and it involves a lot of effort and sometimes even pain. But you know something? The harder it is to accomplish something, when a person overcomes that challenge, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a combination of chesed and din. HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes and heaps the reward even more so on a person. But you know something? There are times in a person's life where a person works, where they invest themselves, where they endure pain, suffering, and it's for nothing. They don't get anywhere. We know that there are yasurin, that there, there are times when a person can have afflictions that can help fix a person, that can wake a person up to, to, to things that he's doing wrong. But there are times in life, there are events that happen in a person's life. There is pain that people experience that just seems pointless. Moshe Rabbeinu has a tefillah. Tefillah Moshe, we say it every Shabbos. Kapitel Tsadi and Tehillim. So again, it's it's Tefillah Moshe. Why is David HaMelech saying it if it's Tefillah Moshe? So again, this is David took um, the the ideas and thoughts and even words of those who lived before him, and those songs, so to say, were forgotten, and, and David HaMelech reestablished them. Moshe Rabbeinu has a line over here. He says, "Samcheinu kimos <laughs> inisanu ra, gladden us according to the days you afflicted us, this is an art scroll translation, ra. the years when we saw evil. So uh, it's Moshe saying that w- there are days that HaKadosh Baruch Hu afflicted us and that there are years that we had bad things, we had evil happen to us. So we want you to give us samchinu. we want you to, to, to give us simcha in that. The Ramami Mipano Says, in an unbelievable pshat in this pasuk and in this tefila. Right before this, it says, "Limnos right? That Hakadosh Baruch Hu gives us uh, a life, and our our lives are short. Right, these Psukim are all indications that life is short. Life is life. Life is very short lived, and. Um, we, we have to count our days. We have to make our days count. Because th- th- we don't have many of them. And he says, He says, there are times in life where we are unable to accomplish. Every day of life is valuable. Every day of life is supposed to have accomplishment. It's supposed to be, have a sense of, of I'm, I'm doing something. But what about those times in life when we put efforts in, we try to do things, and he says that this applies to mitzvahs, that we have a concept, that a person's trying to do a mitzvah. And he's in onus, and something happens, there's an accident, something happens. A person wants to, wants to, is, 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 wants to dive with a minion. Right? And then there's a magefa, And, Nabuch, you can't have with a minion. So, it's not that we should just have it that, okay, you don't get credit for today, you don't get an aveira, but you don't get credit. Samchenu kimosi nisanu. Can we have some kind of thing that comes out? Can we have some sort of benefit? At a time, he says, when a person is an onus, he he is is against his will. He's made unable beyond any, any ability of his. He's made unable to go and fulfill something. So, a mitzvah? Let the mitzvah count for him anyway. And the days that a person wants to accomplish something... But instead, his days are full of affliction, or instead, his days are filled with running down paths that don't lead anywhere. That he's he's put in tons of effort, and those things are unrealized. Can those things be realized? mosi inisanu, right? G- g- gladden us, give us some simcha, right? Even on those days that we're afflicted, uh, afflicted, Shinosri the years that don't work out well the years that seem evil our world is a world that originally was supposed to be one where you planted a tree and what grew from it was bread that there was no that the the effort and the outcome were just supposed to be extremely direct all of those uh, descriptions of youmosha mashiach all of those descriptions of what's going to happen when mashiach comes and how things are going to be that's really a sense of what it was like in Gan Eden originally with Adam HaRisha. What happens is he sins. And the next thing you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells us that Kotz tatzmiach lach, that you're going to have thorns, you're going to have weeds, you're going to have thistles, you're going to have all those things. That what's going to happen is that I'm going to go, I'm going to put an effort, I'm going to plant, I'm going to sow, I'm going to uh, 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 put all the efforts, uh, do every single thing right. And what's going to come up? Weeds, thorn bushes, things that don't get me anything that I need. Our world was turned into a place where we have all kinds of uh, processes that take place, but there's friction in all of them, and we've discussed this rule of, of, of thermodynamics before, that when, a, when, when energy goes into something, that energy does not come directly out into the result that you want. Energy is never lost, but the energy becomes something where it, there, there's some sort of side output of energy. But it's never directly from the effort, from the energy that's put in, into the result. You're going to go. You're going to take wheat. You're going to plant it. Guess what? Pfft. Weeds are going to come up. Thorn bushes are going to come up. Thistles are going to come up. What do you need that stuff for? You don't need it at all. There's going to be processes of weeding, of taking these things off, of pruning branches and all those kinds of things. What are you doing it for? It doesn't get you anything. It just prevents problems. and That's what our world is. It's a world in which we have efforts that we put in that seem to be for naught that seem to not directly or really accomplish anything. So the tefillah of Moshe is, Samchinu kimosi nisanu, those days, the, the, those years, that seem to be affliction, those days and those years that seem to not have any purpose to them, can they have some simcha? Can there be something that comes out of it? This question was never more resonant than when Kelal Yisrael was in Mitzrayim. Right? So we talk about how, like, listen, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was chishe v'shaketz, HaKadosh Baruch Hu shrunk the gullus for us, and instead of 400 years, it was only 210 years, right, 210 years of gullus. 210 years, right, and even if you, okay, so you factor in 200, all those years of avdus, all those years of slavery, where people were born into slavery and they died in slavery. Where there were babies, there were children who were born and they were and they died, thrown into the Nile, put into built into, in, into buildings. A life that a person was born and he schlepped stones and he died. And what did they schlep stones for? Pisum and Ramses. Right? Pisum and Ramses are exact like they are the epitome of what this is all about. Imagine you build and you build and you build. And Chazal tell us that what was peace in Mamses? It was a place where everything just sunk right back into the ground. You did, you did, you did, you did, you did. Whoosh, and it sunk and it disappeared. The avodas parech, the inefficient work Chazal described, men were told to do ladies' jobs, ladies were told to do men's jobs, all those, right, everybody was told to do something that was inefficient for them. What of those lives... What of those parts of those lives? Not everybody was able to walk out of Mitzrayim and sense that, oh, good, things are good now. Things are good now. But what about those years? Where are they? Are they lost? The answer lies in the Brisbane Habasarim. Kodesh Baruch tells Avram Avinu, there's going to be a time when your offspring are going to be Geirim. they are going to be strangers in a strange land. There's going to be Avdus, There's going to be slavery. There's going to be enoy. There's going to be affliction. And afterwards, they're going to emerge and get Eretz But there's more to it than that. It says, Afterwards, they're going to come out with tremendous rechosh. It's not just saying that at the end, there's going to be some sort of consolation prize. It's not like, you know, the uh, collecting all that stuff was like, Collecting on some big uh, life insurance policy that, like, well, all these people died, so here's the, you know, here's the life insurance for all of them. That was represented in the Biza Hayam. That was represented in what they got at the end, at, at, at after the Amsof, tons of money that represented everything that they had, so to say, invested, all of the economic growth that, that they had given to Mitzrayim. That was the, that, that so so they got that later. But there was something else. There were lives that were invested. That 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 over many, many years, many, many generations, <speaking in> Baruch <Hebrew> told them, told Avram Avinu, that there's going to be something that ultimately comes from the investment of their lives. That the Rechush Gadol isn't property. We're not talking about getting money, we're talking about not having lost anything. During that time, there's a medrash in Bamidbar. The medrash says that, like, it says that that uh, Moshe Hakadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe, when you go to Edom, and offer them money, offer them money for water. Why? So it says because the 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 bnei Edom, the the, the the people of Edom are going to say, listen, these guys avadim hayu, the Jewish people they were slaves Anim him. so they have nothing. So it says no no no, show them. You're, show them what you have. And they'll know sh'lo that you didn't lose anything in the shibud. Not that you were able to make out at the end because you won. Show them sh'lo because it says and they'll know, atem that you're not missing anything. You haven't lost anything. Built in to the exit of Mitzrayim is, yes, lots of money. Lots of money for the work that they put in, for all the economic boom that Mitzrayim had over those 210 years. That's what they got on the Yamsof. But there was something else that HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Avraham Avinu. There was an input by the Jewish people. The Jewish people gave, so to say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu their lives. They invested their lives in Mitzrayim. All those years of struggle, all those years of wasted life, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that was your input. I'm going to give you input. that there's going to be a sense of having gotten that which was invested afterwards, that even even when the results at the time didn't seem to be that way, at the end, there's going to be a sense that everything that was invested, we really did come out with something. so therefore, on a technical level, there needed to be two visas, there needed to be two times when they got stuff from the mitzvah. One was the financial one. That happened at the Yamsuf. That's the money that they got. Hashem gifted... But Hashem also gifted us with a sense that all the time and all the effort and all the pain that's invested in something is always for a purpose. It always has a payoff. And even if we don't sense it and we don't feel it, even if we don't feel it at the time, but afterwards, we can always have the sense, because it's true, that it was not for naught. It's a, not a harbei. It's not a lot of money. It's a rechush gadol. There's a godless to it. There's a greatness to it, which we'll get to in a second. There's something more to this Rahush to what they got out of Mitzrayim. So we have over here a bris. It's not just a prediction or Hashem telling a nevuah what's going to happen. That this is going to happen first, and then that's going to happen afterwards. That, you know, first they're going to go in, and then they're going to come out with a lot of money. No, no, no. Shem said, this is a covenant. You give me your lives for this amount of time, and there's going to be an output of you're going to know it, and you're going to sense, and those people who went through it are going to know and are going to sense that it was purposeful and that it was worth something. Okay. <laughs> okay, so that's wonderful. It sounds beautiful sounds nice, but at the end of the day, the, guy, the, 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 the people who put their lives into building peace and Ramses, the people who suffered, and this is a question that's not just about Mitzrayim. This is a question about the people who spent four years in Auschwitz, who lost those years of their lives, the people who suffer at times in, in life, even outside of those hor- horrific times in Cloud Israel. But there are times in life where we feel stymied, where we try to accomplish things and they can't be accomplished. We try to put efforts into things and it just doesn't seem to go anywhere. So, okay, that pain in life seems pointless and for naught. Where is this Ruchosh Gadol? It started there in Mitzrayim. What was the sense that they had? What's the sense that all the people who have suffered throughout time, who have wasted their lives, so to say, throughout time, what is that? And and, and in our Baruch Hashem, much less uh uh, uh Significant ways. What 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 is it? What's that feeling? So again, we have to go to the beginning of Parsha's voero Moshe Rabenu asks Hakadosh Baruch at the end of Parsha Shmos. Again, we're at the juncture where Moshe Rabenu is sent to Paro. Makos haven't started yet. Paro hears Moshe Rabbeinu say that he's going to take the Jewish people out. He's afraid the Jewish people have some sort of sense of hope. And therefore he says, you know something? I'm going to stop giving them a straw. Now they have to go and make their... They have the same exact amount of bricks that they have to make. I'm not giving them the raw materials for it anymore. And now we have the Jewish people running around, driving themselves crazy, trying to create something. We talked about last week the Bahala, the the, the total being out of whack when you know you have to do something you just don't have the kalim you don't have the thing with which to do it so Moshe Rabbeinu says Hashem what did you do this for? why did you do this to the Jewish people? Lum hare osa why have you made it worse? Now, the answer at the beginning of Parshas Va'ira he says Va'yomer Hashem I'm Hashem Va'ira Ya'akov when I appeared to Avram yitzchak and Ya'akov shakai I had a different name I never told them my name, my the the that my revelation of Yurkei Vavke of Hashem. I only showed them myself as Kelshakai. But now, ani Hashem, I am Hashem. What 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 was going on? What kind of what's the question? What's the answer? So the Maral explains, and we've talked about this in the past, that when you want to build something new. When you want to create a new building, you better knock down the old building all the way to its foundation. Because if you build something on a shaky foundation, if you want to build a new building on top of the, 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 the structure that was there before, it's always going to remain just as shaky. That's true when it comes to a person. If a person wants to make himself new, you need to take away the garbage that's inside of you in order to become a new man. If a person wants to have a new relationship, you have to undo the mistakes, you have to undo all those, the, 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 if, if you have a certain uh, uh, way of being in a relationship that's, that's, that's not healthy, so you have to pull it back, rip it down, and then you can start rebuilding again. HaKadosh Baruch who saw the world, or had, had shown himself to the world in a certain way from the time of creation until Yetzirah Mitzrayim, the ten Makos, everyone tells us, were the undoing of the Aseris, Asar Mar maros, of the ten statements with which Hashem made the world. The ten Makos undid them and re-scrambled them, re-put them together in a way that you can now have an Aseris Adibros, now have a Torah. Hashem was recreating the world. He literally undid the world. All those Makos were undoing all of the laws of nature in order to rebuild them in a new way, in a new world. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu was breaking down the world of Kalshakai because he was rebuilding a world. A world of Ani Hashem. I am Hashem. There's a tr- beautiful vart. Rashi quotes Chazal. Rashi quotes, he says that, Chazal say, when Hashem says Ani Hashem, he says, Ani Hashem neman lihipara. I am Hashem who is believed to pay back. The idea is like this. Ani Hashem neman lihipara. Do you know what Hashem says He pays us back with? He says, I'm going to pay them back with Ani, with myself, with Hashem. We had a world before in which there was a Hashem. He was up there, He ran the world. But the personal relationship, the closeness that one could have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it wasn't the way it's going to be now that I'm taking these people and I'm giving them my Torah and I'm making them my amsegula, making them my treasured nation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Lama Hariosa. Moshe says, Why did you make it so bad for them? Hashem says, I'll tell you why I made it so bad for them. Because we're starting a new relationship over here. It's a relationship. I'm being porea, I'm paying them back. Everything that they invested in Mitzrayim, the payback is me. Hashem is giving himself to us. A person breaks down himself. A person has the ability. A person lives in this world, they go about their life. You break yourself down, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find, you're going to be able to rebuild yourself and find HaKadosh Baruch Hu with you. When a person does tshuva, that's what it's all about. In Moshe Rabbeinu's Tefillah, it says, Tashav Ena Shadaka, that a person has to like knock himself back, to grind himself down until he's like almost nothing, until, until, until pulp, and then Shuvah ben adam, and then a person could return to Hakarish Baruchu. A person gets broken down, he's able to discover things in himself, and he's able to discover his relationship with Hakarish Baruchu in ways that he couldn't before. Rabbi Udaleb Nekritz was um, the son in law of the altar of Nevardik, the son in law, and he was, um, when he was, I believe, the age of 31. He was one of the Russian yeshiva in of Novardok and Bialystok. In fact, um, my grandfather and and, uh, and and his cousin were talmidim in this yeshiva, and they were sent to Siberia, and they ended up in Siberia. And he spent the years of age 31, I believe it was 31, through 36 in Siberia, and he had uh, some of his talmidim with him. You know, there was a whole hevra of Nevardikers who were there, a, a, tr- a tremendous person. When he was Nifter, his son-in-law, in his, uh, in, in his, w- 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 he said it at his levaya. he said that it haunted my shverid, it, it haunted this, the Rosh Hashiva, Rebuter Leib Nekritz, who ended up being the Rosh Hashiva of Nevardik in Eretz Yisrael. It haunted him that he lost five of the best years of his life. Those years, thirty-two to 30, thirty-one to thirty-six, were years that he could have learned. He could have steiged, and he was out working in Siberia, going through Gehenim on Earth. Those were years that he lost. But he said, "I lost the years of Torah. I lost those years of Avoda. But you know what I got? I got myself. I found myself. Because when a person sees himself broken down," When a person sees himself in the rawest way possible, he sees himself so real, that gives a person the ability to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Baruchu at the deepest, deepest level. That's a person who was able to get Ani Hashem Neman Lihipara. He was a person who invested himself in work in Siberia. What did that accomplish? Nothing. Uh, five years of nothingness, only suffering and pain. But what did he get out of it? A sense of Hanei All of those people who put in that time in Mitzrayim and throughout the Doros, throughout the generations, that time that they spent doing nothing, getting broken down, feeling defeated, it was an undoing of themselves that allowed HaKadosh Baruch to come into the deepest recesses of themselves and for them to create a new bond, a new connection to Hashem that was deeper and more profound than anything else. The Acharei Kein Yetzir Gadol Not a moment of life is wasted. There's not an ounce of pain that's for nothing. All of it has the capacity to create this opening that a Baruch who going to pay you back with himself so we have a Rasha a Rasha comes to our Seder and we say to him you know something we have pain we have suffering and maybe that's why the Rasha became a Rasha maybe the Rasha looked at the history of the Jewish people and said I want out I want nothing to do with these people this is a mess I don't want to have anything to do with this But we say to him, this was purposeful. We were broken down. We were broken down as individuals. We were broken down as a nation. We were not cast aside. But we were broken down in a way that now we were that ground that was leveled, that was able to have this edifice of Ani Hashem built on top of it. That happened to the individuals. But even more profoundly, it happened to Klal Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was saying that Klal Yisrael has to be broken down. They have to be, lose themselves all the way. They have to get to the just the edge of the 50th Shaar of Tumah. They have to lose their old relationship with Hashem in order to build this new one with Him. So we said to him, Mr. Rasha, you know, a father, a grandfather sacrificed themselves having a life where they were born and they slept rocks and they died. And then there were people who were born and just died. But all of that happened. You know why? So that Kalal Yisrael would get broken down so that we could rebuild this whole new thing. If you feel like you're part of Kalal Yisrael, then you can sense that it was all purposeful. But but because he took himself out of Kalal Yisrael, Kafar Be'ikir, the guy missed the point, you missed the boat, buddy. You're not going to Mr. Russia, you're going to remain a Russia. You're going to remain on the sidelines. You're not going to be you're not going to get it. You're not going to feel it if you're not feeling being part of everything. So you know something, when it comes to marrow, is it appropriate that we lean? Why would we lean? Why would we have a sense of cheiros even when eating marrow? You know why? Because our cheiros, our freedom and cheres, our freedom, doesn't just mean that we're free, we're not slaves. Look at us. <laughs> we're stuck in our houses. We can't go anywhere. So what, what does it mean that we're free? It means that we're free to serve Hashem. It means that we're free from the shackles of the of, of, of rest of life and the rest of this world. So where did that come from? HaKadosh Baruch told Avram Avinu that your bitterness is an investment and the output, what you get from that, is a Gadol, is you have this tremendous, tremendous bounty of having this relationship with Hashem. So the bitterness is what got us our Chayrus. Why do we have this relationship where we have Chayrus? what does mean? Chharus <coughs> ala <coughs> Sorry. Chharus <coughs> ala Luchos, that it's the ultimate freedom, right? Where we have Baruch Hu with us, right? That comes from. The idea that it was from our morrer. So therefore, when we have the morrer, maybe we could lean a little bit. Maybe we could be massive. Maybe we could have this union this, this of heseba, of leaning, even though we're talking about the bitterness. But when we talk about the bitterness of the Jewish people, we talk about it in the context of, look what we got from it, that it was worth it, that it was worthwhile, that it's always purposeful, that we always have something from it. And we can kiss the morrer. Because it's what gave us Hakadosh Baruch Hu. When we look at that, we can look at it and say, "This is the investment that we made in order to have this relationship and this connection to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, to have the Torah." I want to apply this, obviously, to um, wh- where we are right now, as 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 a people, as as individuals. I mean, I I I cannot. I, I cannot stress enough how b'liayin right, hara we we are the 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 experience that other communities are having right now is nothing like what we have the the yet yeah, we're frustrated we're stuck at home we don't have school we do uh, there are lots of things we don't have minyanim there are lots of things that we do not have right but Baruch Hashem we have our lives we have just about, for the most part, our health, Baruch Hashem, right? But, but there's, there's a lot of suffering going on in the world right now. There's, I mean, there's, there's Rachman al the lives that are being lost from this, this magifa, this, where, where, the, the, this plague. There's even other types of suffering. I have a friend right now who's Actually, you know, his generations go back to here in South Bend, Indiana. Feldman's Meat Market, the original place where the shul was, right? So, his, that Feldman, his great-great-grandson, lives somewhere else. He lives outside of... He doesn't, He doesn't. lives in California and he is unable to... His mother's dying and he's unable to come to the Midwest because of what's going on right now. So, we have a Nebuchadnezzar woman outside, of you know, in, in Chicago who's Unfortunately, it seems like she's going to have to, never pass on her own. We have people who are alone for the Siddharim. We have Amanos, we have Yesomim, who are alone at, at this time because they can't get together with other families. And each of us, everybody's got their peckle of pain. Everybody has their thing of frustration, of why does something have to happen to me? Why do I have to experience something? I don't see anything positive coming out of it. It's not like it gave me a... It's not like it taught me a specific lesson. But it's just pain. It's just... It's, 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 I, I put in effort into something and nothing comes of it. So many things like that in our world. But we have to stop. Because as we get broken down by these things, by these events that happen in our world and in our lives, what really happens is that parts of us break down... And it's opening a pathway for our Baruch Hu to come in. That, that, that pain, that suffering, that, that feeling of frustration is really room being made for our Baruch Hu, for the Ani Hashem to touch each and every one of us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right, we have the, the Hashuras Hashchina, according to this farm at the Seder, there's a tremendous Hashuras Hashchina. We have the ability to feel thankful for everything that we have in life. And some of what we have in life is frustration. But part of what we have to feel is that that frustration, that sense of pain, all of those things are really things that are getting filled. They're getting filled by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that He's coming and he's, 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 he's filling that void. So that ultimately that hollow that we say is a hala, the Haseba that we do, the leaning that we do, is not just on the gula. it's not just on what happens at the end, it's not just on the payoff the, the the life insurance that got paid off at the end. It's on everything, because everything has the potential for good, everything has the potential for this filling of Hani Hashem, for the realization of self and the realization of self with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is a time in which we're alone. And yes, although a lot of us are, you know, so to say, you know, we complain, so to say, about being stuck with our families in close quarters, etc., right? Baruch Hashem for that. Baruch Hashem that you're stuck, uh, for being stuck in close quarters with family. Baruch Hashem to be able to have that. But there are times when a person feels alone. They're not with their chevra, They're not with their menu, They're not with the chavrusa, and it's 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 something that that b- b- bothers us so much. But you know something? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to f- be alone. To look inside of ourselves and say, okay, so I have now emptiness. Let me fill that emptiness with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Let me fill that emptiness. Let me fill that void. Let me fill. Let me use that pain and that hollow that's created by frustration. Let me fill that with a sense of connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We have the opportunity to dive that a minion. You know, somebody was joking to me today like, Nisan is the time when you don't say Tachanan, and like we go through these Mondays and Thursdays, and like you know, whatever, like nobody would know if you didn't say Tachanan anyway. So, why you know, like it's a but we should think about it as an opportunity that we're davening by ourselves. We could maybe start a little earlier, or you know what, start a little later. You're not going anywhere, and take your time. Davin, Davin, try to use that time to take some part of it and connect to focus one part of tefillah each day and say to yourself, this is the part, I'm going to go and try to see, I'm going to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu through the bracha of Chonin Hadass. I'm going to connect to Baruch Hu through the bracha of Refoeinu, of course. I'm going to connect to Baruch Hu. Every bracha, every tefillah is an opportunity to do that. And in doing so, we'll have the opportunity. Moshe Rabbeinu said this tefillah, Samchenu ki Mosinu that Hakadosh Baruch give us the opportunity to have joy on those times, that, that from from those things that are painful, and the response to that was, no, no, no check the bris bayin it's in the bag. Hakadosh Baruch Hu said that don't worry, ken gadol. We have the opportunity to have that rechush. We could walk. We can walk into a pesach. We can walk out of a pesach with this tremendous rechush. With this tremendous uh, uh, windfall of what? What do you mean? It's frustration. It's pain. It's it's, it's I'm 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 so upset. I've I've lost this opportunity. That opportunity. Parnasa. All of these things are tsarist, They're terrible. They're horrible. But they create a vacuum. They create a void that could be filled with the ani Hashem. Neman lehi parah. Hashem says, every ounce of pain in your life, I'm gonna pay it back with me. I'm gonna pay back. That's creating room. it's it's, it's leveling. It's leveling the the foundation to be able to have a karush baruchu be inserted in over there. So we should be zochet as we go through our sedarim, and we have our matzah, and we have representing the cheras. But we also have a Mara. We have that we and, and we talk about, and we, we get real with the bitterness of Mitzrayim and the bitterness of our history and the bitterness of life. But it's always with the realization that there's the, always the va'achri kinyezu bruchos gadol. That there's always going to be that rechush, there's always going to be that tremendous amount of property, that tremendous amount, that big-time stuff that we come out with, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that we get out with our connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that was represented in that money that they were able to take from Yitzrayim. And we should be Zoha as we emerge from, from that, to, listen, we live at a time that's really crazy. Is it a time of the gula? Is it not a time of the gula? Every time really could be a time of the gula. Who knows? Who knows? But one thing I do know is that these are these these are frightening times. These are times when, you know, literally the, like you know it's 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 hard to sleep at night thinking about the possibilities of what could happen and this and that. It's I I it's it's the the the, the sense of of of, of the, the bigness of this moment. But but in living up to it and in taking that frustration and trying to channel it towards a Hu, we should be Zokhe to that we're gonna be the Akarikane Yeitsu. That we're going to be able to come out and not just come out of our houses, come out of Galus, and it's going to be Burkhush gadol. It's going to be with that tremendous sense of hakadosh baruch Hu. Um, We should be zochah to all together uh, greet, uh, you know, the, the, have the bs Gol bimher v'yameinu. All right, so everybody should have a wonderful Shabbos, and um, and uh, nakhakasher Sameach.